Irish Irish exit everything. Welcome to Irish exit everything. My name is Frank, and 2020 already has plenty of doom and gloom, so I don't want to pile too much more onto that. I'll try to be as inspiring as possible in this episode, which is rare for me, but. That being said, there does need to be some gloom and doom first in order to give you an uplifting message at the end. So, I'll start with a simple question for you. Do you know where your food comes from? Whatever it is you're putting in your mouth to stay alive every single day, do you know where it comes from? Who's producing it? How are they producing it? And I'll tell you, a few months ago, I couldn't have answered that myself. Because who has the time to think about that stuff, right? But recently I read a book called The Third Plate by Dan Barber. The first book I read all the way through since grad school. And now I always think about the stuff I shovel into my mouth. Who knew reading books can change your perspective on things? (laughs) Crazy concept, right? But to be fair, I only read the book because a Netflix show inspired me. Chef's Table. There's an episode about Chef Dan Barber in the first season. So at the very least, I encourage you to watch that episode. But basically, what the book boils down to is that the current American agricultural system is not sustainable. Which is nothing surprising, right? Like, what's sustainable these days? But I feel like a lot of people know this, but it's not something that we really talk about. Uh, There are other issues that have way more hype right now, you know, like climate change and racial injustice, which are definitely important issues to discuss, but everybody's got to eat, right? And climate change and racial injustices definitely tie into the food system, but that's a topic for another day. Right now, I want to talk about sustainability. What I thought was one of the more interesting points about the current food system in the U.S. is uh, Dan Barber called it the failure of success. Um, The way the majority of crops are grown right now is really good at feeding the American population, but it's basically destroying the environment in the process, which is something the population will have to deal with down the road, but clearly people don't think that far ahead. So let me quickly break down the differences between the current agricultural system and a sustainable system. And I think whenever you say the word agriculture, this is where people kind of tune out because it's not a very sexy topic, but bear with me here. The current food system is super industrial, meaning farmers use technology and pesticides and artificial fertilizers, which are really good to ensure lots of crops and longer shelf life so they can ship the produce all over the country. But in doing that, I mean, obviously pesticides and artificial fertilizers are going to poison the soil and nearby water sources. Then there's a debate about genetically modified fruits and vegetables, you know, whether whether or not those are healthy for you. And then something that I didn't really understand before is the issue with monocultures, uh, which means the farmers plant the same crop in the same spot over and over and over again because that's what people are buying, you know, so the market demands it. But what happens in these monocultures is the crops drain nutrients from the soil because they can't be replenished in time and that also causes erosion and the best example of that is the Dust Bowl in the 1930s Um, that was caused by unsustainable farming practices the farmers basically abused the land 
And it's almost like that period was forgotten because we're risking that all over again with these massive monocultures. Now, on the flip side, in order to have a more sustainable system, we basically all have to become local vores, uh, meaning we only eat food from local organic farms. And those farmers would practice intercropping, meaning it's not just one giant field of one crop, and crop rotations after every harvest um, to make sure the soil is getting the nutrients it needs naturally. These practices keep the soil healthy and helps prevent erosion. <laughs> uh, for fear of losing any more listeners, um, I'm going to stop there, but that's a very basic breakdown of those two types of agricultures. Um, as I said before, uh, the industrial monocultures are really good at feeding a lot of people right now. Um, it's not necessarily the healthiest food, but it's still a lot of food nonetheless. So the biggest critique with local organic farms is that there's no way they could feed the entire American population. And that's completely true. So what essentially needs to happen in the future, and this is going to sound like science fiction-y, but there needs to be localized agricultural societies across the country where like neighboring farmers work together with local millers and butchers and bakers and consumers even to grow enough food for the people in that area, in just that area. <laughs> and I know that sounds like some dystopian Hunger Games District 12 type shit, no pun intended with the Hunger Games, but that's honestly the best way to go if we want the soil to survive and to feed everyone. But I mean, that's obviously super difficult to achieve especially with how everything is so globalized these days. So in order to get there eventually, uh, what has to change is our culture. The culture of food is just as important as the production of food. Monocultures exist um, where you have things like thousands of acres of just corn covered in pesticides because people are buying that product. So with anything, when there's demand for a product, Businesses tend to make more of that product to cash in on the market. So the culture has to change where we're not buying the conventional mass-produced processed food and we're buying local instead. And how do we change the national culture? Uh, by first changing your behavior as an individual. And that behavior revolves around your diet, how and what you eat. You know, folks who support the local food movement, if that's what you want to call it, or even anyone who has a non-traditional diet in America, like veganism, tend to be labeled as elitist, um, probably because fresh, healthy food is often more expensive. And that's just insane, that nutritional food is considered a luxury. So <laughs> I wanted to talk to one of these elitists and uh, get their perspective on food. Uh, so here's my conversation with my good friend Robbie. Uh, Robbie, when and why did you decide to go vegan? Ooh. Yes. Give us so, the whole history and background. The whole history. When it all started. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to say it was November of 2018 when I had initially gone like no red meat. Like I stopped eating red meat altogether. Well, I think it was actually August of 2018 because it was around the time we were doing um, RA training. Hmm at my old job and I remember this because <clears throat> we had I was in charge of ordering the meals and I had to make sure that there were meals for people that were vegetarian vegan 
that had allergies, but also that were it was not just red meat. Um, so like for Jimmy John's, not roast, not just roast beef, but other things. And so I limited myself to chicken, in terms of meat, chicken, turkey, fish. Uh, didn't eat pork or beef or lamb. And then, <clears throat> honestly, it's. <laughs> My, my plant-based tendencies started <laughs> about a year later, August to September of 2019, um, when I said to myself, I bet I could probably go a, a month without meat, um, which would effectively make me vegetarian because I didn't consider like dairy products or animal products, like eggs, right. that sort of thing, um, to be meat, obviously. <clears throat> so... I went a whole month without eating any meat, and I was like, this is not that hard. Um, now, considering I had some of the resources, I had money to buy the food, mm-hmm. you know, like to support that lifestyle. And not, not everybody does, so I was right. very lucky for that. Um, but then I started, it actually started with a TED Talk um, by Dr. Michael Greger, where he basically talks about his book, How Not to Die, um, which is like a really funny... Thing. <laughs> it's a really funny title. I don't know. It's just like, that, that compelled me to want to get it, honestly. Well, I don't right. want to die. so let Yeah, me there's a book it. about immortality. Uh, let me buy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I could live for 100 or so years, I'd love that. Um, but in this TED Talk, he talked about his book. And basically, his book is about, <clears throat> like, the, the top 15, excuse me, the top 15 uh, leading causes of death in I want to say it's the world. I want to say it's the world, but it, it might just be uh, the United States. Um, so, you know, uh, heart disease, lung disease, different types of cancers and ailments, mm-hmm. depression, suicide, that sort of thing. And he basically said that there is a way where we can stop and even reverse the effects of a lot of these um, like leading causes of death in the world. And I was very compelled because of my family. My family, you know, my, my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, people in my family, my father, have suffered from these ailments. And I was like, well, let me just see what this is about. And it's basically a book about how your, what you put into your body can impact everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then that really got my mind thinking of like, oh, like, could being vegan, could being plant-based be attainable? And that really, like, from there, it's been a year now, which is weird to think. Uh, but it's been a year of me no, not eating um, any, I shouldn't say not eating any, very, very minimally eating any animal product. I haven't had any meat, unless it's by accident, um, or unbeknownst to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've, I've eaten egg on accident or sometimes I chose it because it was the only option and then cheese is the one thing that I'm like well F this is really hard to give up so long story short yeah it's been uh, it's been about a year since I've been completely plant based as much as possible and then the reasons why honestly were were only for health I mean I know that there are other reasons I know that people do it for sustainability of earth sustainability of animals um and I totally get it, and I'm not saying that I would never be that way, but my initial and my current reason is for my own health. Yeah. Period. That's good. So you're not trying to convert anyone? 
You're just saying for your own purposes. <laughs> Correct. And I'm actually glad you bring that up because <clears throat> I get a lot of folks that are like, well, you know, where do you get your protein? Or like, which is like the most common question. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you didn't do that question justice. You should put a little more sass into it. Like, well, <laughs> where do you get your protein? Like that. I mean, yeah, it does sound a lot like that. Yeah. I mean, even like family members are like, oh my gosh. Like I oh remember my being goodness. at Thanksgiving last, or uh, Christmas last year. And we go to my aunt and uncle's, and my cousins were in town uh, who live, like, not in Michigan. Um, and, uh, like, we obviously, for Christmas or big dinners like that, you have some sort of meat that is the main dish. Right. Uh, and I opted to not get it, and they were like, why? And I was like, well, I don't eat meat. I was very afraid. <laughs> I was, very, I was right. like, they're going to judge me. Like, I know it. But, but honestly... The thing that I think is um, the most important to hone in on is when it, when it comes to making a decision like that is that you're going to get people that are that don't agree with you and that want to convince you otherwise. And I and I understand why. And I can't blame people for wanting to do that because it's what they know. It's what they they've been taught to know. Yeah. I think it's systematic, but or systemic, I should say. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to convince anybody. Now, if you want, if you, I've had people ask me, like, well, what are the benefits? Like, can you tell me, can you show me? Because it might be something I want to do. I'm happy to do that, you know? Or if you want to debate me on it, I, I mean, I'll debate you on it, but otherwise I'm not like, Frank, you need to be plant-based, otherwise you're a shitty human. Right. Can I say that on? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can be as offensive as you want. Um, but I feel like if people knew you, they would know better than to debate you because you will own them. <laughs> well, I can't say I've won every debate, but I just, yeah, I, I have a tendency to get real scrappy, um, for, for better or for worse sometimes. Right. And I think I mentioned I'm, I'm reading, I started to read a book called Defending Beef, um, yeah. which kind of um, talks about, well, contradicts all of the um, negative connotations that red yeah. meat has. Um, I'm not quite done with it, so I'm not ready to debate you, but I will say there's a lot of misunderstanding regarding the health um, effects of red meat. Um, so maybe when I'm done with that book, I'll be ready to debate you. But Sure, sure. Um, you talked about um, being worried about people judging you. Um, do you look down on people who aren't vegan? Uh, like, do you think you're superior than them, and why do you think you're superior than them? <laughs> You know, when I first when I first started going into this as a lifestyle, it definitely was a mind shift for me. Like I'm trying something new, and I was in that phase of like, how come so many people don't know about this? Like, how come the norm is to eat animals and their products? How come the norm is to you know do various testing on animals for human products, right? <clears throat> and is it necessary? Right? Is it necessary to sustain life? And so, at first, I, I'll admit, I was very like, I need to, I need to be the person that shows people. Um, the reality is that there's so many other people that are doing that work already, and I don't need to be the one, especially because my main reason is for my own health. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and it goes back and forth, too, because if somebody is arguing with me about it, like picking a fight, not... Um, not like trying to hear my side, then I'm like, well, you're just committed to misunderstanding it, and that's mm -hmm. you, that's not me. I mean, I could tell you every fact in the world about it, 
and you can choose to not hear it or not want to weigh it as a potential possibility in the world and so why would you know Mm -hmm. at that point i'm like well you're just dumb right (laughs) you know then they're then they're they're committed to the narrative vegan not good that's what they're committed to yeah yeah yes definitely yeah um you also talked about being fortunate to have the means um of being able to afford vegan food so like vegan food's definitely more expensive than other food yeah, I mean, I, I think even if you think about food at restaurants or food um, that is just at least trying not to say mainstream, but like a typical family in America conventional the grocery store. Yeah, like healthier food is just typically more expensive. Whole food is more expensive for some reason. And, yeah, it's and real I, fucked up actually. Yeah, and, and you, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but you think about, like, low-income or below-the-poverty-line families who their means of eating is for survival, not just taste, yeah. not just... Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're trying to put food in their bodies so that they can keep living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to not always have to think that way. I did when I was younger. I mean, I would eat anything that was in front of me. <laughs> uh, and I was taught to eat all of it. Don't waste it. So you, I ordered anchovies for this pizza. Didn't like them. My dad was like, well, you ordered them. We paid money. And you cannot let it go to waste. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like for me, <clears throat> I'm very fortunate because I have the means to buy the foods that I want that are um, available in my area. Definitely. Well, that, that point you just made... Um, that your family would try not to waste anything. Uh, I feel like even when families who are just trying to survive and buying the, the cheap, processed, fatty, sugary foods to survive, they're still wasting that. So I feel like if, I mean, I'm not going to speak for every family, but I feel sure. like if you were to pay for the more expensive, healthy food and focus on not wasting that, that would kind of balance out because yeah. you eat everything that you paid for. Yeah. That's no, an that's assumption, true. but I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. Well, yeah, and then there's also the argument, too, that um, like when people kill animals to eat them, they don't use the whole animal. Mm-hmm. They use just pieces of it. And actually, what spurred me to think about this was that show that you had, you had mentioned, um, Chef's Table, where yeah. there's the one guy who, you know, was like, I'm committed to serving dishes that have every part of the cow, not just the steaks that people enjoy. Yes. Right? Most animals that are killed, we don't use the whole animal. So then it's like, so we're killing this animal just for this one piece that some people might not even eat. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, no, I see your point too. It's like, especially when you're taught the scarcity mindset of like, I have to eat this, otherwise it's going to, I won't have it anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't have enough money anyway. So I'm going to buy, buy things and eat all of it, no matter what. Um, like, that's a tough mindset to get out of. And, like, it's it's almost like you have to rewire your brain that just because it's the cheapest doesn't mean it's healthy for your body. Yeah. You know? And just because it's the most expensive, right? Just because it's the most expensive thing on the market doesn't mean... <laughs> you should buy it because it's deemed healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are 
there are low cost ways to be a plant based eater. Definitely. Um, but yeah. Yes, yeah, so actually, on that point, um, do you ever run into instances where you have you think this vegan food is is healthy, but you find out that it's like super processed and not good for you? Oh yeah, Oreos are vegan. They're not really great for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they advertise that as vegan, though. <laughs> that, right, right. They're like, this is vegan. Vegans can eat this. It's like, yeah. Vegan but, Oreos, yeah. Like, it's, it's a cookie. I mean, I, <laughs> yes. So the answer is yes. I find all the time. Even, you know, I had last night, I had like the, uh, like the soy nuggets or the vegan nuggets. And those are super processed. Right. I eat them because the alternative would be meat, and I choose not to eat meat, but yeah, I mean, there's this connotation that if it's vegan, it's healthy. Right. It's really not it. Like, that's not, yeah. you have to dig deeper than that. Yeah. That's definitely what it comes down to for anything that you eat, like, no matter what you believe in, like, you definitely have to look into what you're eating, where it comes from, how it's made. Yeah. Uh, but people just, like, they don't have the time, unfortunately, or the resources, like you said, to pay that much attention to it, and it's... Yeah. yeah, it's really unfortunate. It is. It is. I see a lot of communities, at least where I'm living now, like the surrounding communities. So I'm on the south side of Indianapolis. And there's, I mean, there's food deserts everywhere in Indiana. Um, but it, like in the east side and the south side of Indianapolis right now, there's some really big food deserts, meaning, you know, th- there's not food available, uh, not enough food to go around, essentially. So folks will be like, I'll eat whatever I can get my hands on. Um, and it, it's just, a, it it kind of hurts to think about. It hurts to think that there are people that are suffering or that they don't even know that they're suffering. Right. They're just like, I'm going to eat whatever I can because I need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's If I think about it for too long, I start to go into this like deep hole of despair. And yeah. I want to like, help as many people as possible. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a daunting task to be like, I want to help everyone he- eat healthy, but like, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, because there's so many food deserts, as you, as you said. Right. Uh, and I remember when I was growing up, um, not to knock my family, I mean, I yeah. grew up in a lower economic class family, but I remember we didn't really have family dinners because um, my parents worked a lot all the time. Um, and so when I would ask my mom, like, oh, what's for dinner? She'd be like, whatever you can find in the cabinet or the cupboard. <laughs> Uh, so I ended up eating a lot of ramen noodles and cereal yeah. for dinner. And that definitely, that's what I knew. So like that definitely carried over into my adult life because that's how I was raised basically. So I was eating a lot of ramen noodles um, even up until recently until yeah. I started watching Chef's Table and reading books and stuff like that. And that's when I started paying more attention to what I was eating. But yeah, I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people. That's just all they know is eating processed foods because it's yeah. simple and cheap. But. Um, are there any instances when you felt that a vegan food was better than its traditional counterpart? You talked about like having difficulty switching to vegan cheese. <laughs> My first experience with vegan cheese was like, I'm never going to eat this again. <laughs> um, yeah, so cheese is like the hardest thing for me. I think it's, I think there's lots of factors to that. Most of the things that I eat, that I ate growing up and even through college and grad school, um, had cheese on it. I mean, it's what makes things taste so good. Right. <laughs> you can put cheese on most things, and it's like I'm really masterpiece. Glad I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I so I try not to base 
this is going to sound weird, I think. I try not to base all of my food off of how it tastes. Like, my, uh, my decisions to eat, um, most days, I would say on, on my best days of being plant-based, my decisions to eat are not based off taste, but based off of how much nutrition I'm giving my body, like how much I'm actually feeding myself. Um, so yes, regular cheese tastes better than vegan cheese. Um, I will say, I, I told you this before I started to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, when I was making quesadillas, I decided to try vegan cheese with it. And I don't know if it was just the brand. Maybe it was super processed. Um, but I thought that vegan cheese that I used was better than the cheese that I usually get. Oof. So that's just one instance, but... Yeah. Yeah, and I'll admit, too, I haven't given it as much of a chance as I probably should. Um, I've just started not having dishes with cheese on them hmm. um, at all. You know, to, to avoid it. But I think if, if I find a brand that I'm like, this is really good, I what I would probably do is buy two or three packs of it. Two or three, you know, packages of it so that I can start putting it on things I normally would put cheese on. And then from there, I feel like I could wean myself off. Um, and I find myself, like, eating cheese when I'm stressed, like, when I'm most stressed. Like, having comfort food, the cheese is in my brain. It's like, that is comfort. Hmm. You know, you have a so, cheese addiction. It's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm addicted to cheese and caffeine. <laughs> Coffee, I should say. Right. Yeah. Well, that's pretty standard, I think. Yeah, I think so. So you don't base your decisions off of taste entirely, but it is possible to eat vegan and even healthier organic stuff uh, for the taste. Um, if someone were thinking about going vegan... Um, any final advice you would have for them, whether it's because it's for health, for animal rights, for sustainability, what final advice can you give them? Yeah, I, I think it's one, to know the difference between what it means to be vegan and what it means to be plant-based. Um, and I know we were talking uh, a few weeks ago, and I think I misspoke, or I'm going to correct myself uh, first. So knowing the difference, being vegan, it means you are in it typically. In most cases, you are in it for the environment or for the animal's welfare. Like the nutrition side is just a byproduct. It's right. just a result of choosing the, the, that route. Being plant-based, so, so yeah, so vegan says this is what you don't eat. Being Thank vegan you. is this is what you don't eat. Being plant-based, you know what people eat because it's plant-based. Um, so knowing the difference between the two, um, can you be both? Yeah, I mean, I'm not such a stickler to semantics that you can't be both, but know the difference between the two and know why you're doing it. Like, be really firm in why you're doing it. If you're doing it because you saw a video and you're like interested and you want to try it out, tell people that. I'm plant-based because I wanted to try it out just to see. Mm -hmm. For nutrition, like know why it's for nutrition for you. <laughs> Have your reasons why, because <laughs> otherwise you're not going to stick to it. It's just like any other habit. I mean, you're not going to stick to it if you don't know why. And if you're not, like, convinced um, that your why is sound. Right. And then the last thing I would say is there are some phenomenal doctors and cardiologists and athletes and, and folks that are plant-based and can tell you way more than what I can tell you. Uh, so I mentioned Dr. Michael Greger. Um, there's uh, Dr. Bernard Neal. Who, who is really big uh, in the in the plant-based world? Uh, there's 
Ed Winters, who's more vegan activism, um, and he, he puts he puts a lot of stuff on social media that would be seen as controversial or radical um, to the to the average human, because he'll just debate people. He he will literally set out a table on a college campus and say, you know, I'm vegan, debate me or something. Change, like change my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people will come up, and he he basically records it and he shows people like this is how you respond to an argument of. You know, this is how you talk to a farmer, a, a dairy farmer, a, um, you know, an animal farmer, that sort of thing. I feel like so that's I'm something saying, that you would do. What's that? That's something that you would do. Set up a table <laughs> and like was, debate me. Yeah, try it. Yeah, yeah. If I was like, yeah, if I had the time, if I had the time, I might, honestly. <laughs> uh, and then the last person I would mention is Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. Um, he is much older man, but for his like whole life he's been plant-based and he has and many of the people that i mentioned especially the doctors they have been a part of like longitudinal studies on how on the impacts of plant-based diets on, on your body um and there's so many great resources by them so i would say immerse yourself i would say another thing is to not tell anybody you're plant-based for the first three months <laughs> just like be it's like Get yeah. reinforced in yourself so yeah. that you can't. It's your little things. secret. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's a lifestyle change, and you know, tell your best friends, but otherwise, like, you don't need to come out and tell everybody right away. It's mm-hmm. that's not always it. Um, and then just be immersed in the in the stuff that's out there. There's so many great resources for all of it, right? Like you mentioned, there's the the book about you know red meat or about beef, I should say. Yeah. Um, and that there's misconceptions, and I'm sure there are, and there are definitely misconceptions in the vegan and plant-based world. And so, my best advice is to like hear all of it, mm-hmm. hear all of the arguments. Um, you, you're not going to become good at really anything if you're not able to hear and understand what the opposite or what multiple opposite viewpoints are. That pretty much applies to everything, but unfortunately, yeah. I don't think anyone—well, not anyone, but like very few people—listen to all sides. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, but... Yeah. So it sounds like it comes down to intentionality. Yeah. You have to have a purpose. I mean, with anything, you know, you have to have a purpose with it. And just know that, like, you might not see, especially when you first start, you might not see a difference right away in how it's impacting your body or how it impacts the rest of your life. Um, But give it some time. Mm -hmm. Like, and decide what that time is. Is it three months? Is it six months? Do a before and after survey with yourself right. and, and just know, like, okay, this is how I might be feeling better. This is where I'm lacking, you know, that sort of a thing. Yeah. I think that's also difficult for people because uh, you want short-term results oh my gosh. all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your experience. I feel like you've had a very interesting journey, actually. I remember even before 2018 when you say you started um, weaning off of meat, um, yeah. you stopped eating fast food. Yeah, I, I stopped eating fast food for a year <laughs> with, one, with one of my best friends, Derek. We were just like, I bet we, aside from the food that was on campus, so there was a Subway, we didn't eat Chick-fil-A, but there was a Subway and there was what, a pizza place back then. Um, we didn't eat that. It was just Subway as our like food that's available with our meal plan. Mm-hmm. We didn't eat McDonald's, Burger King, anything like that for a whole year. And it was like, like I haven't eaten McDonald's since then. 2012 so <laughs> it's like some of it is stuck 
I'll eat it if I'm in a pinch, but... That's impressive. Yeah. Um, I don't think people need to give it a year, but uh, at least I think three months is good advice. Just try <laughs> out for three months. Long. Yeah. 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 And enough for you to try it and see the impacts. Um, you won't see it after one week. You won't see it after two weeks. Like give yourself, and you know your body better than anybody else, so give yourself whatever you feel like your body is um, going to respond to the most. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Absolutely. So Robbie gives a, I guess you could say, a different perspective on the typical American diet. Um, I don't think there are very many vegans or plant-based diets in America right now. But Robbie is proof that it is possible. Um, And now this is the uplifting portion of the episode where I say that I've changed my behavior and so can you. Um, so to wrap things up, um, if you don't want to try our quote-unquote radical diet like going vegan, um, I'd like to give everyone a bit of a challenge. With the current food culture, when you go grocery shopping, people often decide first what they're going to cook for the week, and then they go get the ingredients. Uh, idealistically, it should be the reverse. We need to buy local ingredients that are available at the, at the time first, and then figure out what to cook with those ingredients after. Again, this is very difficult to do, especially when healthy food is so expensive. But that's why the culture has to change. But I've been trying it, only shopping local to the best of my ability. Um, If I can't find enough for the week, I'll go to the organic produce section of the grocery store. But first, I'll go to the farmer's market on Saturday mornings with no plan, just browsing for fresh produce. Uh, But the thing about fresh produce in the South is there isn't a large variety, at least not where I'm at. So I've been eating a lot of okra and potatoes. Um, But it is kind of a fun challenge. Um, I've been enjoying it, so I encourage everyone to try it if you're able to. Go to a farmer's market or a local grocery store with no plan, no grocery list. Get the freshest, most local, most organic fruits and vegetables and meat you can find. And then go home and figure out what to make with those things. If I were an optimist, I would say that if everyone tried this, they would see that it's possible, and then everyone would start buying local, and that would eventually snowball into more sustainable agriculture around the country, and we all won't starve to death in 20 years. But <laughs> I'm not an optimist, I'm a realist, so for now, uh, just have fun with it. Irish exit processed food and be a local vor. Thanks for listening to this absurdity, and support your local farmers. Do 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 do